Are you going through a difficult time? Are you experiencing a season of life that has tested your faith? Hey sister, I'm Rachel Williams and I'm right there with you. I've walked through divorce, single parenting, and in December of 2021, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I know what it means to feel lost, scared, and defeated. But the good news is that I know that God uses all things for good for those who love Him. I know that He has a plan for me of hope in the future. I want to pass that faith-based confidence on to you. So welcome to your new safe place. Enter into a community where you can be comfortable as we dig into biblical truths and discover hope for encouragement in your life. Because I believe that you are capable of powering through this season with tangible and actionable tools to rely on when you begin to feel hopeless. I'm here today to tell you, friend, that you can walk in godly freedom even when it's hard. It begins with uncovering God's promises in your life and arming yourself with God's truth so that you can conquer whatever hardships that you encounter. I'm here to guide you through the valley so that you can really live in truth and light. Let's shift our mindset from victim to victorious because we are warriors. So come fight with me, sister. Grab some coffee. And let's do this. back to the She is a Warrior podcast, y'all. It is so good to be back. I took a much needed break to spend some time with my family. Plus, we moved. We've had sick kids. It's been a packed couple of weeks. There are very few things that I detest more than moving, but here we are. We, um, we had a truly wonderful Christmas. Christmas is always fun with our children, but there's something extra special about seeing Christmas through a baby's eyes. The wonder and excitement just brings a smile to my heart. Our little boy is two, and he was so excited. My girls, too. Um, this was the first year in a long time that they really didn't ask for anything, so everything that they got was a surprise, so that was super special, too. Every family has traditions. All of my favorite Christmas traditions involve my Nana. Um, Nana passed away right at the beginning of COVID back in 2020. To say life has not been the same since then would be a huge understatement. Um, not only is the hallmark of our family gone due to the severity that was COVID and my sweet papa losing his wife, he has been terrified ever since then to have a lot of people in his home. Understandably, I get it. But not only... Did we have to have Christmas without Nana? We haven't gotten together as a family since then. Um, I'm so, I am so thankful to be a part of my husband's family um, and to call them my family and to be a part of their Christmas traditions. They are so special to me and I'm so glad that we have those new traditions that we're building but I miss my Nana. Um, but this year, for the first time since her passing, we were able to get together as a family for Christmas. And y'all, it made my heart so happy. It finally felt like Christmas again. One thing that sounds really silly, but anyone who truly knows me won't be surprised that it involves food. But one of my childhood favorite family Christmas traditions was that Nana always had what she called a goodie table. It was a little table set up in her dining room that always had the exact same foods in the exact same spots on the table. Y'all, I'm serious. Like everything was set up the same way every year. There was her cheese ball, which only she 
could make the same. I promise. She was just like the magician at this. And Christmas time was the only time that we had it. So it just made it extra special. Ranch dip and chips, peanut butter balls covered in chocolate, divinity, and a few other things. But those were my favorites. And then some kind of red punch in her Christmas punch ball. Y'all, I would about hurt myself at that goodie table every year. We would kind of graze there and wait for everyone to get there. Always having to wait on my sweet mama because she was late every year and late everywhere she goes. But then we would say the blessing and me and my cousin Erica would throw bows, literally running, trying to get to the front of the line. All of those things sound very silly, but it's just the things that I remember every single year. And this year I was so happy to walk into her home, but I slowly walked towards the dining room with very little hope that Nana's goodie table would be there because she wasn't there. But y'all, it was. It was like the clouds parted and the angels sang and I was 10 years old again. So many of my childhood memories and traditions are tied to food. It's very sad, but but it's still very special to me. But the second tradition that I didn't fully appreciate until I was an adult was that Nana would always pull out her big worn Bible and she would read us the Christmas story. I had no idea at that time how that tradition was shaping me as a human and how much of an impact that would have on me as an adult. But I'd I'd truly give anything to be sitting in her living room listening to her read from that Bible again. But as Christmas ended and the new year was approaching, I, like many individuals, began to reflect on the previous year and determine the things that could have been improved upon for next year. Where do I need to grow? What do I need to prune? Over the years, I have found that for myself, making big resolutions does not work. Resolving to cut out this one thing from my diet, I'll never eat so-and-so again. Or, I resolve to lose 30 pounds. It's okay to dream big, but making huge life changes typically does not work. For some of you, it does, and kudos to you. I just don't have that kind of self-discipline, sadly. Um, I know this about myself, so I'm able to plan accordingly. For myself, and for the majority, I feel, I find that it's more productive and beneficial to set goals, small, achievable goals that can be amended and adjusted as you reach each goal. So I'm going to share with you my method for setting goals and invite you to do the same as it works for you. Conveniently, today is the 11th of the month already, so you've had time to fall off the bandwagon already. (laughs) I have faith in you guys, but I'm sure there are some of you who have done this already, set these huge resolutions, and by week two, you're already just feeling like a failure. And that's what we don't want. We don't want to feel like a failure. So I'm going to pick on my husband for a minute. Um, He is the king of resolutions. And my girls and myself, we we just roll our eyes when we get the monthly, this is my last Mountain Dew ever. Or, this is my last bad meal, babe. Tomorrow I'm getting after it. Like in those exact words, I swear to you people, he says this at least once a month. He does big New Year's resolutions like 12 times a year. It's insane. But of course, he wants to cut out this one thing out of his diet completely. So within two weeks, he's he's over it and he's he, he failed. So like I said, he resolves about once a month to cut out all sugar and only eat a handful of things that are on his meal plan. So of course, with cutting these things out completely, mixed with the constant thoughts and mindset of I can't have this thing, I won't have this thing, he is setting himself up for failure every single time. What I've found to be true is that if we focus on the things that we are taking away from ourselves and we are strictly restricting things, it doesn't last. I like often I will tie things to the classroom, but in the classroom, 
I don't have tons of years under my belt, but it didn't take me long to figure out that positive reinforcement is the best way to discipline children. When I'm teaching, if one or two students are talking or not paying attention, for example, I've found that picking out the one or two students that are doing what they're supposed to be doing and praising them, by doing this, the others will usually follow suit. So rather than calling that one specific kid out, well, little Johnny, you stop talking. This usually has a negative effect and usually does not get the outcome that, I, that we would like. But by saying, thank you, Susie, I love how you're following along in your book like I asked, the whole attitude shifts and you have made it a positive experience. Now, it took me a while to figure this out. That does not come naturally to most of us. The same thing goes in these type of experiences that I'm talking about. I also like to give things to those doing the right thing rather than taking away the things from the ones who aren't. Positives over negatives. So I find this to be true with us as adults as well. Focusing on the positives or the abundance of things that we can have other than focusing strictly on the things that we can't has a better outcome for us as well. I get to have this protein shake that tastes like a fruit smoothie. I get to have this amazing Brussels sprout recipe that I found rather than I cannot have those cookies. If you tell yourself so many times that you cannot eat the cookie, you cannot have the cookie. Guess what you're more than likely going to do? Eat all the cookies at one time. Like I said, there are some of you that can do this. You just have that kind of self-discipline and I literally admire you, but it's not me. For myself, I find that if I change the narrative, I get to focus on the abundance of things that I can have and I allow myself those things that I love in moderation then I'm much more likely to stick to it. And that goes for anything in our lives that we want to change. For anything, if we shift our mindset to the things that, that are added to our lives by this change, rather than the things that are taken away, it does a world of good for our motivation. Another thing that I feel is extremely important when setting goals is to identify the why. I want to lose weight. That's a nice goal to have. But imagine if you shifted your focus to, I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my children. I want to be able to run in the yard and play hide and seek without needing an oxygen tank. I want to get healthy so I can be here for them when they get married and have children of their own. Thoughts like that are more motivating and emotional than just saying, I want the numbers on the scale to come down. So I have broken down my goals into four categories, my spiritual health, my emotional health, my physical health, and my nutrition. I'm setting one goal for each of these areas that are reasonable and attainable. Once each of these goals are met, I will make another one. And with each goal, I'm attaching my why so I can remember this when I'm tired or I just don't feel like it. I'm going to start off with my spiritual health because it is my belief that all other health stems directly from this one. My goal is to study the word for at least 10 minutes every day. Now that can be me with my Bible, and my study with my pens and my highlighters and my sticky notes, which completely lights me up, but it's just not doable every single day. Or it can look like riding down the road with my Bible app reading to me. Um, I have about 20, a 20 minute commute to and from work, and I find this time often be my, my time of prayer or just playing worship music, whatever my soul needs for that day, but just worshiping and learning more about Him for 10 more minutes a day. Now, my why is not that it's just something that I'm supposed to do. Although that's true, you need to make a more specific and personable why for yourself. 
My why is so that I can be armed with the word when the devil starts attacking. With everything that I have going on in my life right now, it's so easy for the devil to ping these awful thoughts around in my head, thoughts of fear and of doubt. But if I have the word hidden in the deepest parts of my soul, I can easily fire back with the, you're a liar, devil, because I know that the Bible tells me this instead. See, I need that kind of affirmation and peace in my life. I need it as a defense mechanism and as a part of my battle plan to defeat the enemy every single day. So that's my spiritual health goal. My goal for my emotional health is slightly similar to my spiritual health, but as a couple of sub goals, if you will. So my goal for the beginning of the year is to read at least 10 pages of a motivational spiritual help book each day. Okay, so I have to be careful here and not call them self-help because I feel like that's defeating the purpose of what we're actually doing. We're not helping ourselves. We lean on God. So I have Audible in my car, um, a Kindle subscription, and tons of paperback books. So some of my favorites in this category so far have been a book called Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, and Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. I love that one. Um, I'm starting this year off with a book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's by Louis Giglio. I hope I said that right. It's about discovering how to break free from the chains of negative thinking and experience true freedom from unhealthy thoughts and emotions. I mean, I feel like we all can benefit from that. But let's be honest, the devil is constantly trying to invade our minds with negative thoughts, so it's a no-brainer for me. I encourage you to find a book that resonates with you and the things that you're struggling with in this season. We all have struggles. We all have worries, but they're all different for everyone. So find one that really resonates with you and just read 10 pages of that a day. A sub goal under this category is to do something for me at least once a month. I don't know about you, but as a mother, we are intrinsically wired to put everyone else first. It's not anything I have to do consciously. It's like breathing for me. Literally, everyone comes first. It's good for you emotionally to take a little bit of time to regroup and reset. Now, I'm probably about to make some waves and ruffle some feathers, but it's important to note here that I am not telling you that in order to serve your family, you have to put yourself first. I don't believe that's biblical. I'm sure you've all heard the saying, you cannot pour from an empty cup. But ladies, I beg to differ. I can, you can, and we do it every day. So once again, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance because I feel like I may lose some listeners here, but y'all just stick with me, okay? But ladies, you are asked to share the gospel and to be a servant. You may be in a season of raising small children or teenage children or caring for your elderly parents or loving a difficult person. But what I need you to understand is that what God asks, He gives strength to complete. Whether you're tired, you're busy, you're overwhelmed, depressed, emotionally drained, whatever it is, God is your strength. And I so need you to realize that today, friend. I have learned through some very tough experiences that the harder our days are, the closer we draw to God. It's like we crave His protection and guidance so much more on those days. We give and serve because He gives to us. We don't get our strength from bubble baths or wine or iced coffee or a girl's night out. As wonderful as those things may be, it is the joy of the Lord from which we draw our strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God will often use our toughest times 
to minister to others. I feel like I'm living proof of this. I, I feel like this podcast is living proof of this. We do not need to fill our cups first. We just need to be willing and open vessels to be poured out whenever and wherever we're needed. He fills us with what we need, not a person, not an event, not a quiet relaxation, not a substance. Nothing in this world can do what God can do. So although I am saying that it is helpful to have these brief moments of rest and solitude, it's important that you not rely on this to sustain you. All of the rest in this world will not fix a spirit that is void of the Holy Spirit. So being intentional first in attending to your spiritual health will ensure that your cup is actually full of the right stuff. Okay, so I hope I didn't lose you there. We're going to move on. So... All right, next, I made goals pertaining to my physical health. I am a firm believer that God designed our bodies in a beautiful way, and everything is connected. It is so important that we holistically look at the entire body when we think about health. This, I believe, to be the third part of a four-level approach to wellness. Um, My goal for this tier is to just get up and move more. Um, On my off days, go for a walk. The days that I work, we have to park 100 miles from the school, and I'm I'm usually running late. So my walk into the building in the mornings is usually pretty fast-paced. But during my break, walk to the front office every day. You know, don't, don't sit when teaching, which I try not to do anyway. Walk around the room. Just be more intentional about moving my body more. Once I know that I have succeeded in this goal, I'll move on to bigger goals like actually working out three times a week. I'm a realist and I know that I have way too many irons in the fire to try to add this to my schedule right now. I'm in the process of becoming a certified Christian health coach. I am so excited about that, but it's very time consuming. And I'm also taking a course and learning ways to reach more people with this podcast, both of which are very time consuming, but I believe will yield great rewards at completion. So quick recap, 10 minutes a day studying the word, at least 10 pages of a faith-based God help me to be a better human book, at least once a week do something to de-stress, move more, and lastly, nutrition. Okay, I saved this one for last, friends, because this one is a tough one for me. As previously mentioned, I love food. Now, I love healthy food too, but it's not like I'm constantly binging unhealthy stuff. But those things do make it into my diet more often than I'd like to admit. And the thing that I mentioned before, we cannot completely restrict ourselves from things that we love, or we more than likely will fall off the bandwagon or find, and find ourselves binge eating an entire pack of Oreos. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, not calling any names. <clears throat> husband. Anyway, my goal for this aspect is to just be more mindful and intentional about focusing on moderation. My guilty sinful pleasure, y'all, is McDonald's Coke. And for those of you who have speculated before, I've confirmed that there is in fact a special formula that Coca-Cola only provides to McDonald's. And not only that, Rather than getting their fountain Coke in a box because they can order so much of it and Coke gets so much kickback from McDonald's, they get their Coke in a cylinder, meaning it's under more pressure or something. It has more CO2. I don't know. I just know it tastes different. It just hits different. I call it crispy. It's a crispy Coke. So that, that's why, if anybody's ever wondered, it's just, but it's all, it's, it's just an addiction. An addiction is all it is. And I'm going to have to be mindful of replacing that with water only allowing myself to have it once or twice a week 
And once I had that goal down, I moved to bigger things. But ideally, y'all, what I want you to hear, what I want you to understand is that when you nourish your body the way that God intended, you honestly don't even crave sugary demons like soda. And that's a higher arching goal of mine is to be more mindful, nourish my body with real food so that I can naturally break this terrible habit that I'm embarrassed to admit that I have. (laughs) So my why for this one is so that my body can get back to its naturally designed state that is so beautifully equipped to heal itself so that I can stop being out of balance. My gut microbiome and metabolism can be the powerhouse that it's supposed to be. I don't need any more diseases caused by these imbalances. I have enough of those. Thank you. So that's it. These are my goals for tomorrow and the few days following that and the few days following that. I reserve the right to tweak these goals. But the most important thing is that I and you remember your why. On the days that you don't feel like continuing on the path that you have set for yourself, remember why you started on the path to begin with. I want to be present for my children. I want to be able to get off of this medication that is wreaking havoc on these other functions of my body. I want to feel comfortable in my clothes again. I want to be able to get out of the bed in the mornings and not have every muscle and joint hurt. I want to be equipped with the word so that I can fight off the enemy with truth. I want to have healthy thoughts, positive, uplifting thoughts. I want to be able to serve my husband rather than wanting to punch him in the face all the time. I want to give control to God so that I can let go of my anxiety. I want more of you, Lord, and less of me. But if you're still listening, I want you to promise me one thing. Promise me that you'll give yourself grace. If you fail one day, it's okay. Start over tomorrow. Don't beat yourself up. Don't allow your mind to drift to a place of negativity. Give yourself grace to start over as many times as you need. I am honored that you chose to spend just a little bit of your new year with me. I pray that you truly take the time this year to treasure your traditions with your family. If you don't have any, make some. It's these times that your children and grandchildren, cousins, siblings, will look back on and miss one day. But they will be so thankful to have had them as long as they did. Dear Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to this earth to live among men as a perfect man so that he may save us from the sins of this world. Thank you for our family, whether it's blood or by marriage or just a group of people that love and support us and have taken us in as family. I pray for those that were not able to be with their family this Christmas or don't have anyone to call family. May they find peace and joy through you and knowing that you loved us so, so much that you would give your only son, that you love them enough to think that they are worth dying for. May we truly reflect on the true meaning of Christmas every day. Thank you. Amen. So, several days late, but Happy New Year, friends, and I'm truly thankful to consider each one of you as part of my family as well. I thank you for your unending support. Go love on your family, and I'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much, friend, for joining us today. Again, please join our Facebook community and let me know how I can pray for you. Also, if you could give our podcast a review, I would so much appreciate that. I'm tuning in every Wednesday for inspiration and encouragement as we work together to overcome challenges. Be intentional, sister, in your pursuit of Jesus, even in the valley, so that when others see you, they'll know she is a warrior.